Ogilvie survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Standing in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. Gets his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leash been to 11 under. And we've got a new leader, kids. Here it is. Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going Inside the Ropes. G'day everybody, welcome to Inside the Roads, episode number 28. Great to have you with us uh, after the uh, very, very big week that was the week last week and then another huge one with the PGA, uh, of course, up and going as we probably speak to you right now. We're all back from the Australian Open, magnificent being part of Genesis AO Radio up there. Annie Ma here alongside Mark Hayes yet again. Hello, Hazy. Hello, Murray. Yeah, thanks for putting up with probably a little shoddy audio quality from me in the middle of the first fairway at the Australian last week. I think everyone can sort of put up with it, though. They can suck it up. That's what it's all about. You re- rested up and ready for the longest day on Monday, 72 holes at your club, Curlew? <laughs> no, I'm knackered, completely <laughs> knackered after the Open. Um, but it's a b- big week. I love the week, always have. Um, great to be involved, but uh, it takes a toll. Um, I am very much looking forward to stretching the legs next Monday, though. There's a bit to be said, not only about the winner, but some of the uh, other issues swirling around regarding the Open and what it might look like down the track. Martin Blake was there front and centre again for GA. Hello, Blakey. Mari, how are you? Now, I'm going to be in uh, New Zealand playing golf on Monday. I'm going to Queenstown to play a few of those lovely courses there. So I won't be there to see Hazy, but I really want to hear some live reports of Hazy playing 72 holes without a cart. It's incumbent. That, well, we, that there is will be, going to be interesting. There will be report. There'll be social media uh, uh, updates on the way through. Uh, Excellent. And we'll do little bits and pieces. Do you just think to you keep people do, do you think you might like interview me for ten seconds at the end of each round and just compare the notes after each? <laughs> See how we're going. Let's just give our. Um, you know how elite athletes have to fill out the wellness reports. Yeah. Let, let's fill out a wellness report after the first round, the second round. So we're doing it for just in case people are wondering what the hell we're talking about. There's um, a thing called the longest day, which is in its second year formally and it's raising money for uh, melanoma research and treatment which is obviously really relevant from golf's perspective a lot of men and women spend a lot of time out in the sun Um, and it's in conjunction with the Cancer Council of Victoria Uh, last year was the first year we raised 100 grand this year we're trying to raise 250 Um, and it's not too late to go to your golf club and say listen I've heard about this thing I really want to do it Preferably you do it in the last week of December. Uh, you can do it prior to that if you have to. You play 72 holes of golf in a day. You raise some money, fill out the form. It's really easy to do. Raise as much as you possibly can and then play 72 holes of golf from dawn to dusk. Um, and uh, you, again, in a perfect world, Gazelle, you walk it. That's going to be interesting. I'll be walking. I'll, I know, I'll, walking for I'll sure. be walking. I, my, my golf club manager at Kalewis, Brendan Caligari, hinted that he might rush out an iron lung for me at some <laughs> stage during the fourth round just to make sure I get over the line. Well, good, mate. I did it last year with my brother-in-law. who's going to be part of it again, Andy Coldry. And last year, Brett Anderson from Inside Footy, uh, famous uh, footy old football newspaper and a footy writer down here, um, played 18 holes, came and played 18 with us just to kind of break the day up. And then it was the third 18 that he played. And then he came when we were teeing off 18 for the last round, there was Brett Anderson on the tee 
with a little esky, had two cold beers for Andy and I. Never has a beer bloke tasted <laughs> Didn't quite touch so the nice. Sides. <laughs> oh, blimey. It mm. went down without uh, a second thought. So if you're at all interested, um, go to the website, www.thelongestday.org.au, and um, have a look. And, and if um, you're at all interested, make sure you bring your eskies to Kerr Lewis for Andy and I. Spot on. That's what we'll be about. Or if, if your last year's anything to go by, it was about 25 past eight when we got on the tee <laughs> for the last round, Hazy. So Oof. it's a long day in front of us. Um, the Australian Open, boys, remarkable, really. How it all turned. It seemed to be going along nicely. We thought it, We thought the last group, Day and Herbert, were going to have it to themselves. We thought Day was going to put his foot down. And for about an hour, an hour and a half, it looked like that was what it was going to be. And then the last group took a turn when Herbert got a couple up. And then just as we started thinking, this is going to be a great day for Lucas Herbert, the whole thing went pear-shaped. It went upside down, inside out, and turned around. And a couple of hours later, we had Cam Davis winning the Australian Open. It was a remarkable Sunday afternoon. It was a phenomenal two and a half hours, really. I mean, we started off with the on our radio. Uh, the focus was very much with your group, the last group, Jason Day and, and Lucas Herbert, which is you know logical decision. Uh, and we all just thought it's going to be a procession among the other groups, really, just, just wandering around. But... Didn't they become the story in a hurry? And then the story jumped around five or six times. Uh, you know, Matt Jones, we rode off. Um, Jonas Blix had a bad double. Cam we rode Smith. him off. Cam Smith was <laughs> toast. Everyone was toast. And then all of a sudden, the leaders just imploded. And then the man himself, Cam, Cam Davis. It's wow. one of those things, Andy, you know, the, the last round of a stroke play tournament in golf, you, you can get that swooper yeah. uh, who comes. And I was really interested to talk to Cam Davis afterwards where he said that he didn't even look at a leaderboard. He just went out there to try and play and shoot as low as he could. And even he insisted that even on the last hole, and I think you watched him come up the last hole, mm where I'm not sure where he was in position. Like, he would have been in front when he came down the last he, hole yeah, already, wasn't he? He must yeah. have been, yeah, for uh, sure. So then he goes and makes birdie, mm. goes into the scorer's hut and thinks, well, I better check where I'm at. And he's, I think, two in front. Would that be right? Or yep. one, in, one in front at least? Certainly one in front of Blixt when yeah. Blixt got to eight. So he had yeah. half a dozen groups to come through. Mm. But the, the mindset that he was able to just play... Uh, without any pressure, whereas if you look at Jason Day, he played like a guy who was under pressure. You know, he played like a guy who's expected to win, expecting himself to win. So there were a lot of storylines. There was the Lucas Herbert, which we'll talk a bit about later. Uh, there was the Jason Day fade-out. I, th- I think that was, you know, was a, en- a kind of emblematic of his whole year. He just hasn't been able to quite get it done. He's had a lot of ex- uh, distractions, and it was a really disappointing result for him. And then there was the, you know, I think there's a take in it, Hazy, on, on the talent in Australian golf with a guy like Cam Davis coming through, and there were half a dozen others, golden era. That's that golden era hashtag. We've got a special, add, add another name. Yeah, We've got sure. a special guest coming later, Jamie Glazier, who's the coach or the, the mind coach for Lucas Herbert. It's going to be fascinating to listen to him. Um, I'll, I'll put it to him that, and everyone that uh, Cam Davis was the one who benefited the most clearly on Sunday. However, all the colleagues he came through the amateur ranks with Blakey uh, now know that, you know what? I beat Cam Davis a few times. He's, he's, he's good, mm. but he's not Superman. And he just pumped Jason Day. He yeah. just pumped J- Jordan Spieth. He pumped Matt Jones. Well, I can do this. Uh. I reckon you'll come out. The golden era just got a really big shove along. It's a bit freaky, Andy, that the, the fact that there was no sort of sign of it. Now, he plays the New South Wales Open the week before. Missed cut. Yeah. He's played 12 months as a pro. He went over to Canada. He didn't fire a shot. Now, he got an invitation into a PGA to- uh, Tour tournament 
early in his pro career, and he finished fifteenth. And he was he was sort of in the in the mix there for a while. So there was that one result there, but he's never had a top ten prior to last weekend as a pro. So how would you forecast that? Now we know he's talented. He was a former, he was the Australian amateur champion not so long ago. He was the uh, low individual at an Eisenhower Cup how many years ago? Has he two, Last year. One, one year. So, uh, you know, we knew he had talent, but he hadn't shown any sign. But there at the Australian, of course, that he was very familiar with, he flogs the ball. He hits it a long way. Um, you know, he's very impressive. And just add him to that list that includes, you know, Cam Smith, 24 years of age. You know, Ryan Ruffles, Curtis, Curtis Luck, Lucas Herbert, Brett Coletta. Uh, you know, Carl Phillips, 16 years <laughs> of old, played in that field. Uh, you know, Min Woo Lee, you know, Min Ji Lee and Suo on the women's side. So, yeah. gee, we've got some exciting times ahead. It's rem- You mentioned the amateur and the Open. On our road to the Open, you know, the series we ran leading up to the Australian Open, we spoke to obviously past winners of the Australian Open. And 2A man, they really rate uh, those that have got the double, yeah. the Australian amateur and the Australian Open. They really rate that. This guy's done it and he's 22. None of the guys we spoke to had achieved that double by the time they were 22 years of age. We had good fortune to speak to Bruce Devlin on the way through. Mm. He's the only one who's done it quicker. Oh, uh, he had done it so, quicker. Yeah, he, No, no, no. He was older, okay, yep, but he had done it um, more back-to-back. Sorry, yep, so yep. he did it one year apart, 59 for the amateur and 60, I think, for the Open. Uh, Cam Davis was 2015 for the amateur and 2017 mm. for the Open. I mean... Anytime you get your name mentioned alongside someone like Bruce Devlin, you know you're going in the right direction. Hazy, he's a very quiet, nice boy, isn't he? You've had some dealings with him, and I yeah. think you spoke to him the day after. Yeah. And uh, what, what, he'd been to the RSL or something yeah. for dinner? Yeah, he's a, he's a teetotaler. <laughs> that night, he doesn't drink, so... Yeah, yeah, he's. I mean, he's built like a you know pull through for a mm. rifle. Got the um, Brett Ogle uh, kind of build. Yeah, uh, he's he went with his family who were just completely awestruck on the night. I spent a bit of time with them going around as Cam did his uh, functions or, or just visits with the greenskeepers and then the volunteers, and then up into the Australian Golf Club for the you know the hoity-toity function, uh, and they were completely awestruck and they really just wanted to get out, not not to denigrate any of the people they were visiting. But just to go and sort of soak it in and go, wow! And they went, to the, they went to the local RSL club Fantastic. where they've been a thousand times before, and just said, I, I didn't ask what they ate, but I would imagine it wouldn't be too far removed from uh, your mixed grill sort of arrangement, you know. Knowing them, it was it, just, just good, humble, simple people who are very uh, shy. It was amazing to see. Cam was very quiet two or three years ago when I first met him. Um, and he's blossomed into a really good public speaker. Mm. Uh, fantastic effort by him, and gee, he held his own beautifully. The putt he makes on eighteen, and I can't—I sort of can't believe that he didn't know where he was because on se- on the seventeenth green, there's a little pond across the front of the sixteenth tee, Correct. and there's a leaderboard right there. Correct. It, would, it was only thirty or forty meters away from where he okay, was. Okay. Well, he said in his press conference that he didn't know, but yeah. I said to him, "Are you really telling us that you didn't didn't know?" So I, I think the answer is Andy that he he kind of knew, yeah. but, he, did he, but he tried to avoid it. So he yeah. misses. He could he could have made a great up and down on sixteen, having found the front right trap. He missed. A about an eight footer there for birdie. He missed um, oh, for, for par, par. I mean, for, par, oh, for yeah. par, I beg your pardon. He missed the birdie putt on seventeen from about the same distance, maybe an extra couple of feet away. And you're sort of half thinking, oh, one over. He could be two under. It couldn't be two under, but he should be one under the past two. Maybe the opportunity slipped by. But then he makes the putt on eighteen. And I, look, maybe if you just keep giving yourself option uh, opportunities the closer you get to making one of these putts. But 
the fact that he made it, and I suggest that he did know what he had to <laughs> well, do. Well, there was a little fist pump there. Which and there's a leaderboard right at the back of 18. Yeah. I mean, he's walking up to the... <laughs> yeah. You can't miss that leaderboard yeah. at the back of 18. He must have known what that putt meant. So mm. the fact that he regathered himself, having missed two similar distance yeah. putts on 16 and 17, to make the putt on 18... I don't know if you want 64 a little on that on that day and that wind. Best that, best round of the day by three shots. It's handy. We would love to have every massive name on that trophy as it has historically. I just, you know, Jason Day would be a great addition to that trophy. But let's hope that that's the kickstone, the kicking start point, whatever you want to say for for the next generation. Absolutely. I mean, the, this is but, we've we've talked about you know who we need to invite and who keeps com- constantly coming back. I've got a really high hope that Cam Davis is that starting point for that next generation to come through and start banging on, you know, Davis. All the names that Blakey reeled off, uh, you know, I think they're going to really grow an extra leg here now. What did you boys make of the Open overall? I thought it was a pretty good Open uh, oh, no. with with a field that was definitely thin, thinner than what we would have liked to at Golf Australia. You know, uh, there were a few players such as Scott Hen, Marcus Fraser, you know, it would have been nice to have them. They were up in playing in Hong Kong. Uh, you would have loved to have had Adam Scott, and Mark Leishman in the field, but you you aren't going to get anywhere. That, that everyone, that's just the the reality. That's mm. been the case for a few years. Uh, but I thought in the end it was a, it was a pretty decent open. The crowds were pretty awesome, actually. It we were talking before Hazy and I came on. We we're having a chat about this, Blakey. And it you walk through the gates, whether it be at the Lakes, Royal Sydney, the Australian in recent years for Australian Opens, it's had. A great feel about it. The Sydney public have supported the event, no matter where it is, and it's had an event feel about it, and it had it again. The Australian's a fantastic venue. You can say what you like about the golf course, but it's a great venue. And for mine, the golf course was turned out in absolutely magnificent oh, condition. Yeah, they beautiful. did a great job. Um, so, Clates has written uh, written a piece saying that uh, we we need it to be part of a bigger or another tour, and I, I agree with him. Well, I, I think mean, we, most of us do. There's we? a couple of things here that we need to... Um, talk about the event perspective before I, we go to the next... Yeah, we might come back to that a little, in a little while, but you know, the event copped a bit of a um, pizzling, really, in ratings terms, um, but based against... TV ratings. Yeah, TV ratings. Um, through no fault of Channel 7, it's just the fact that it was launched up against... A dramatic ashes. end to the supercar series, but more importantly, the Ashes. Mm. Um, it copped a it copped a caning, um, but doesn't denigrate the tournament at all. And anyone who walked through, like it, most people in the media, at some stage have criticised Sydney crowds as being theatre goers. Well, that's absolute rubbish. They've actually come out like it's a. They're proud of the tournament. They've made it their own. Uh, of course, everyone else would like to see it. We in Victoria recording this would love to see it on the Melbourne course again. We will get that chance in a couple of years, but. They've really, from the first marquee group on Thursday to the last part on Sunday, backed that for five years. It's been really, really solid since Rory McIlroy in 2013. It's been exemplary, absolutely exemplary. And if I challenge anyone to walk through the gate of a tournament and find a outside a major and find a better general atmosphere. So the event itself, as a golf tournament and an event on the ground for the patrons who walk through the gate, massive tick, yep. massive tick. You mentioned the TV numbers. Uh, this is part of the business of sport, and you live or die in terms of your free-to-air commercial appeal and attractiveness based on the number of eyeballs you get. Something has to be done. Something has to be done because there is a there is no matter how good it is for the twenty-five thousand people there on Sunday or whatever the number of people that were there was. 
for everybody else, if you look at the ratings figures come out and the numbers are poor watching it on through no fault of its own as no. a golf tournament, no fault of its own, uh, what eventually happened after the field was assembled and the first ball was struck, you get a smell about it. And people say, going, ah, no one cares. No one's interested. Dying on the vine. Golf's, you know, golf's in, in trouble. This narrative starts writing itself because of the numbers that it generates from a TV perspective. So this was an ongoing conversation through AO Radio, thanks to Genesis, of course, throughout the tournament. How do we give this thing some clear air? How do we give it the uh, status in terms of an event on TV that it deserves? Uh, what needs to happen? Because everybody involved, every stakeholder, Lager Air, Golf Australia, people who love golf, need this thing to find a spot that, gives it what it needs, and that is its own profile, its own time to shine. What do we do? You want me to uh, Whoever wants to go unleash first. here, Andy, because oh, this, yep. this is my you know, wheelhouse. Yep. I've, we'll come back to Tigers Tournament. We will. I think it's repulsive. It's, it's repulsive, nothing short of it, that they can just boop, pick up the best 20 players in the world, guarantee them a small fund, Jet across from the east coast on the United States to the Bahamas and, and call it a tournament and screw everything else in its path completely to the wall. Uh, you know, even Jordan Spieth had to bail out quickly on Sunday to make back in time. And he loves being in Sydney. Uh, we're jumping across a bit, little bit here. Every person and their dog has got an, a, uh, an opinion on how to fix this. We need to uh, bump up the prize money. We need to forget overseas players. We need to get overseas players. We need to be on Europe. We need to be on the US. We need to move to February. We need to do this. We need to do that. Well, the time's come. And there's only one solution. And whatever it is, we need to push hard as a unified force. And I mean every aspect of Australian golf. So both the PGA and Golf Australia, the ALPG, and all the tours that come around it, the LPGA and everything, has to fall into line with what we decide for our two or three weeks of the year where we're the critical part of the world of world golf. We need to throw our weight around, Andy. Mm. I'm sick of this. It's it's We've had a gutful. Um, we've got one or two weeks of the year where we can actually shine, and we're getting flogged by money-hungry bastards yep. on the other side of the world. Australian golf deserves better than that. Oh, Sorry for my language. No, I couldn't agree with you more. The only way we're going to get to do it, and I don't know what it, what this solution is, is if we unify and throw a, throw our collective weight around. So, you know, Golf Australia and the PGA are making great strides towards getting it together, and I think that's going to be awesome in all aspects. The states have to be on board, and we have to punch collectively against these tours and find our spot. We could probably be on the European tour in a heartbeat the Australian Open, and everyone makes a great point that you'd want to win the PGA more than the Australian Open because it's got better um, uh, benefits and status for the players, and I get that, and the players clearly get that. We need to have these tournaments standing alone Mm. at the very least. We can't have the Australian Open on the European tour when it's up against Hong Kong. That's just ludicrous. When it, it, this is a, the fifth oldest tournament in the world with a massive standing and a tournament that every every player who's got any sense of history in the world of golf wants to win. Is it in the top 10 tournaments right now? Clearly not. Would it be in an ideal world? I would argue yes. I, th- I think we need a complete reshuffle of, of who we align with. Uh, and and even, even to the point of you know one being on the US tour, one being on the... A European tour, and they build into each other week by week, and we get the best of both worlds. And maybe the state opens become a secondary tour, a web or a challenge tour sure. event or something yeah. like that. 
But I think that's a great idea. But we need to. We need whatever the answer. Whatever the answer is, we need to get in a room, slug it out among ourselves, and then push hard. Push hard, and don't take any crap from all these overseas players. This is Australian golf. It's actually fundamental to the the fabric of world golf. We, I mean, we're not asking for forty eight weeks of a tour. We're asking for two weeks for men and maybe two weeks for women. That's not too much to ask. Mm. You got a Kai, that's well said. I couldn't, couldn't disagree with anything you said. Unfortunately, it's another example, exactly what Hazy says. It's another example of how the fragmentation of Australian golf hurts us because if it was all one, the one body would now be working towards this. As it is at the moment, you've got the PGA, ALPG, you've got Golf Australia running the Australian Ups. People don't understand this. They're all over the place. Now, they're talking. They are talking. Golf Australia is talking to the states. There's a, you know, we've spoken before about one golf where it's meant to come under one umbrella. That hasn't happened yet. It's still dragging along. The PGA and the Golf Australia have had talks about merging as well. You know, they should merge. Um, it would be a lot easier to solve these problems if it was just one body pushing in the same direction. So, yeah, go on. Last thing from Andy. If you look at English golf, not British, English golf, yeah. Until recently, which is that British Masters that happens at the back end of the European Tour season, they might not have had a, a in inverted commas, major event on English soil for two or three years at a time because Wentworth has faded. You know, the match play isn't what it used to be. Until that tournament came back, if the Open's in Scotland or, or now Northern Ireland, as it might be, um, you know, there may not even be a tournament in England. You know, it... it but what, so what they need to do is they've put all in, now in terms of Britain, they put all their eggs in one basket. The Scottish Open's going beautifully yep, too, yep, right yep. alongside piggybacking the Open Championship. But we need to have, say, you know what, stop arguing. The, the Australian PGA Championship is a great event. The Australian Open is a great event. But we need one. We need one to stand up and out and above all else. So one that, event. Yeah, I think yep, so because, yep. uh, you know, the, I want the other one to thrive. And, and yep. I don't care which one it is. I love them both. But we need something to say, I'm going to wake up as Ricky Fowler or um, John Rahm or anywhere around the world and go, geez, I have to go to that this week. That's a, that's a, t- that's a title but, I want. But that's not going to happen realistically while you have Golf Australia running the Australian Open and the PGA Correct. running the PGA because the PGA's main event is the PGA Championship and of Australia. I gr- and the flip side so it can't that, happen. And looking at it from the other direction, it's not going to happen either. You're not going to get any cooperation from the European Tour or the US PGA Tour unless they have a vested interest in the events. Yep. Mm. They, they have to... Now, I know what you're saying about these events should stand on their own. They shouldn't only appeal to players around the world because it might get them you know, a job somewhere else. Yeah. But that is a reality these days. They own the marketplace. Whether you yeah. like it or not, they dominate the global marketplace. So I think your idea, if it could happen... One is sanctioned by one, one is sanctioned by the other. It's a bloody great event. Oh, that's a great idea. I heard John Huggan talk, and I was telling this, Andy, before, Blakey, before we went on air. Uh, he had a chance to chat to Mike Pally. Now, John Huggan was on AO Radio. He's been on this podcast. He's a great thinker of the game, a Scottish guy. And he actually had an interview with Mike Pally a little while ago. And at the end, of the tapes finished rolling. And Mike he, Pally's from Europe, yeah. Yeah, so he's the, uh, the European Tour Commissioner. Mm. He's from Canada. Uh, and Huggy was asked by Pally when the tapes finished rolling, what would you do, John? And he said, oh, I'd move the Canadian Open, which is the event 
there's only four events older than the Australian Open, and that Canadian Open is one of them. Now it's just a Mickey Mouse US Tour event. Yep. He said, I'd pluck it off that tour, and the contract's nearly up, and I'd whack it on the um, European Tour, and I'd play it the week before the US Open. So currently mm. on the schedule, it's the week after the, the Open, Open Championship. Championship. I'd say move it forward four or five weeks, get it on the European Tour. Everyone's going to come to the event because it's the forerunner to uh, the US Open. Great idea. And, and I think it's got a lot of merit, that plan. Somebody's going to have to get left field here. Isn't it? I should say something about I think the easiest way for the Open, Australian Open is to go to, on the European tour. And I believe there, that there have been talks to, you know, along that, that way, haven't they, Hazy? But it's a matter of fitting into a schedule that runs 52 weeks a year. Those slots are already full. So <laughs> you, may, you, know, you may have to slot in under another tournament if you want to suck it up and go on there. So, I, I mean, I'm not sure whether we want that. And the other thing I would say about joining with Europe is... Is you don't in a, in Australia you don't but by co-sanctioning with Europe you don't necessarily get all the best players. You in don't, Europe. don't, you don't, don't ever think no, no. that because I can remember the Masters Australian Masters used to be played at when it was played at Huntingdale. They co-sanctioned with Europe for about three or four years and they got Challenge Tour players and low-ranking uh, European players who who no one had ever heard of. They didn't really add anything to the tournament and they took up forty-five spots. And there was one year where the forty-five spots weren't even taken up by Europe. And Mike Clayton and Mike Harwood, who both had European status as former winners from that tour, both had to play in the event. And Clayton himself, who we obviously work with here, you know, I think he was quoted as saying it was a joke. But uh, so you know, it's it's all difficult. All the tour stuff to me is it's great conversation, yeah, but it's superfluous. It's secondary. It's yep. secondary because yeah, yeah. until we actually get all our ducks in a row Spot and on. figure out what it yeah. is that we want these tournaments to be, and I'm referring to the Australian Open the Australian PGA Championship and the Women's Australian Open primarily, then all the other ones around, and I'm not no den- I'm not denigrating the Perth Super Sixes or the State Opens or mm-hmm. whatever, we, the three principal tournaments need to get in a room together and go, this is what we're doing as Australia, and push back out and start kicking and screaming and making a fuss. You know, we're Australian golf. We're yeah. not, We're not, you know, Hercules, but we're not a little minnow either. You know, let's have a crack. It's the Australian way. Hi, this is Sherelle McMahon. Swing Fit is the fun, healthy, social way for women to get started in golf. You'll learn the basics of the golf swing and how to putt over a six-week program and get your whole body moving through yoga and Pilates-style exercises. You don't need any golf knowledge or equipment. Simply turn up in comfy clothing and get started. You'll be surrounded by like-minded people and receive constant support. So get outdoors, meet new friends and learn a sport that you can play for the rest of your life. To find a program near you, visit swingfit.com.au. G'day, it's Nick O'Hearn here. Whenever I get the chance, I catch up with Inside the Rope to follow up on all the latest golf, and I urge you all do the same. It's a great show. Let's get back to the Open, uh, the Australian Open, and discuss some of the um, other bits and pieces opposed to Cam Davis' win. You mentioned Jamie Glazer was going to join us, the um, sort of the, the psych mind coach of Lucas Herbert, and we've got Jamie on the line, he's been good enough to join us. Uh, thanks for your time, mate, uh, and joining us here on Inside the Ropes. My pleasure, guys. It's, uh, it's good to be on the show. You guys are doing a great job the last few months, so I really enjoy the show. Let, let's start at the end, right, rather than sort of the advice you gave Lucas and talk about the event here. Let's start at the end. Yep. What, what did you make of the way he carried himself in that final round and the way it sort of played out for him? Well, for us as a team, I think uh, there were probably two or three things that we've been targeting the last couple of months uh, 
in Herbie's game and also in him sort of personally that uh, Saturday and Sunday for us was the greatest test possible uh, to sort of monitor and measure, you know, the work that we've done and how that's going to stand up in that environment. And and as a team, we uh, we could only take huge amount of positives. It was uh, it was phenomenal. Um, his wedge game under those environments was uh, was spot on. His demeanour, body language, being in control of himself, uh, and his decision making uh, in in that environment was phenomenal. And uh, and remembering he's a 21 year old uh, guy, it's uh, first time in that environment really was uh, was just such a big positive for us as a team. And we are as motivated uh, and more motivated than ever to um, to continue to grow and develop and. Uh, what next year uh, holds for us. So before we go to the you know the nuts and bolts of that, Jamie, take us back to the start, if you don't mind. So two to three years ago, Lucas Herbert is a prodigious talent uh, and the world's coming pretty easily to him. Uh, dynamic amateur, winning things at Commonwealth, winning things for Victoria, uh, the world's at his feet. And, and then all of a sudden, he's not in the national squad. And I... It, he definitely didn't go off the rails, far from it, but he, he sort of had a stark realisation that, you know, things weren't going to come his way naturally, were they? No, that's right. I mean, it's a um, a very interesting sort of journey for a lot of the young amateurs at that stage. You know, they're in programs that basically, uh, hopefully unknowingly, take a lot of ownership uh, over their development away from them, um, which is okay as a 14-, 15-year-old athlete. Um, you know, we need to sort of be told what to do and give some structure. But when you go out on your own and you are the CEO of your own business, all of a sudden you've got to put structure in. And if they don't have a skill set of knowing how that structure is going to be executed, then it's very difficult for them. They get lost very easily. So, you know, when I spoke with Herbie a couple of years ago when we first started, it was uh, basically, a, you know, a kid that's got a lot of potential but had little, little understanding of what do I do? How do I extract that potential and, and how do I uh, execute that and turn that into performance? So, um, so you know, as a lot of young kids that age, they just really don't have a lot of ownership over their, uh, over their business. And, um, yeah, that was one of the first things that we did. And, uh, you know, we all know Herbie's a, a different cat than most. And um, just getting back, you know, okay, you just got to be who you are. Don't try and be anyone else. Just you know, really uh, take pride and understand the knowledge of who you are as an athlete and as a person, and then we can uh, we can extract performance out of those things. So with that in mind, Jamie, we had a chat uh, briefly to Alison Whitaker, our colleague on Inside the Ropes, who was doing a fantastic job with Channel 7, and she said she chatted to you before the final round, and you issued some just amazing instructions to, to Lucas for his second round head-to-head uh, with Jason Day and, you know, okay leading his national championship, she mentioned something along the lines of, uh, you know, be natural, be yourself, carry yourself like a major champion. Walk us through that. Well, the last couple of months, we've really targeted some some body language um, with Herbie. Just, you know, for me, he has as much potential as probably anyone that that, that swings a golf club. I really believe his natural ability and talent is, is just unbelievable. So we last couple of months, we really worked on body language, make sure you're walking, thinking, talking, acting, reacting, like you are a number one in the world or a top five. You've already been in that position. And we've been chipping away at it for a couple of months. And uh, Herbie's a sort of the young kid that he needs to see uh, or believe in something to really execute it. And the first, you know, first few weeks we sort of did it, he was like, you know, I'm not really seeing any benefit, but 
it wasn't in an environment where we build these processes. These processes aren't built for the practice fairway or practice rounds. These are built for Sunday afternoon back nine type of pressure. And, uh, um, you know, he he's just been phenomenal with that. Um, I landed, I was in the States for three weeks. I landed Saturday morning to a message, uh, give me a call, I haven't slept, I, I don't know how to switch off. And when we just went back to, look, you know, be, be you um, and confront that situation. Don't try and shy away from being in a final group with Jason Day and the Australian Open. The more you try and run away from that, the more it's going to take control over you. So we just wanted him to sort of just confront it head on, enjoy it and, um, you know, first and foremost, really know who he is and his strengths and uh, all the sort of work that he's done over the past, you know, six months, 12 months with me and Dom, his coach and his whole team, um, just rely on that and know that that's, uh, that's going to get you through. Jamie, that's really interesting, that answer, because I think he said at one of his press conferences after the third day that he felt like he'd drunk three three buckets of Red Bull. Yeah. Uh, he, could, he couldn't sleep at all, I think, after the second round. So, uh, now yeah. you, you actually preach poker face golf, don't you? I read some of your blogs and stuff like that, and uh, you, you preach kind of no reaction type golf, which is interesting because Lucas is kind of an out there gregarious type of guy naturally. So yep, that would yep. kind of go against, in some ways, go against what what he is like. He's he's got a bit of a maverick tendency, I reckon, Lucas. He's, yeah, yeah, look, yeah. I totally agree. I think for me too, there's there's a, a sort of a lot of these strategies uh, are compl- apply completely differently to most people because for, for most people they. Uh, human nature is they amplify and acknowledge the negatives and don't pay any attention to the positives. So um, sort of trying to, to get people to ingrain a bit more of a poker face, try and keep a consistent reaction to everything uh, is is good for most people. Now for Herbie, um, I don't mind him having some swings up and down and because um, that's just who he is. So I don't mind him reacting. We've sort of you know taught him through a post-shot routine to not hold on to any of the negatives or more so learn from each experience and take what he needs to do next time into the uh, into the next shot. and uh, But also, if you hit a good shot, like enjoy it, appreciate it, you know, have a laugh at it, uh, do something stupid, um, just just be him. And, uh, you know, I think the last 12 months especially, he's really learnt more, again, who he probably was as a golfer, as a person, as a 12-year-old, and just go back to that, have fun, um, you know, don't take things too seriously. I know it's his business and it's his career, but you've got to have fun doing it and... Um, yeah, look, he's, uh, you know, you could almost see the day where he started to feel comfortable being himself again. And I knew from that point, you know, it's only a matter of time before uh, the results show. And Because, um, because the, the average amateur will ruin his or her round of golf uh, by hitting a bad shot and then getting down and feeling worse about it for the next yep. hour and a half, don't they? And I remember speaking to Steve Ban, one of Australia's leading coaches, about all this a few years ago, and he said, well, yep. golf's not a game of perfect. I mean, if you hit seven out of ten uh, fairways, you lead the yep. PGA Tour. So there's yep. three that you didn't hit. You, you can't let the game drag you down, can you? Or at least yeah. that's that's the aim. That's right. And, I mean, I, I talk to my players about, um, you know, there's anywhere from, say, you know, 61 to 72 individual moments in a round that have no relationship to each other hmm. um, and that's how we've got to treat it now we can we can sort of leverage off certain certain shots and drag you know drag some of the positive emotional positive performance from one shot to another but we certainly don't want to go the other way where we drag uh, any of the negative emotional negative memories from one shot to another because that's what kills people's scores um, so getting people to sort of 
change that pattern is uh, can be challenging because it's human nature. But uh, on the same tone, when they see the value in it, they really do uh, they do enjoy uh, you know committing to it. And a four and a half hour round feels like two hours as opposed to a front line that feels like yeah. three days. You guys will shoot seventy one off the stick uh, the next couple of days. After all, <laughs> it's fascinating, all. isn't it? Hey, it is, I'm, I'm really interested, Jamie, in this on the uh, at the end of the Friday. You know, he's got a share of the lead. In fact. Share a lead outright. Share a lead, whatever it was, and he talked. I think he was a shot, shot ahead. Yeah. Shot ahead. Shot ahead. Yep. So he's talking about the pressures of being a pro golfer, and he talked. He volunteered the fact that you know there's a fiscal pressure that comes with being a pro. I know what the next six months look like. I know what it's going to cost. I don't know whether I'm going to have the money to do it, and that brings a pressure all of its own. He makes forty two and a half grand for this event. He'll lose some of that to the tax man, of course. But suddenly he's got a bit of money in the bank. In terms of the pressure. And um, you know, clearing the mind of that burden, yeah. how how big is it for a kid like Lucas Herbert to get you know th- put thirty grand you know post tax in his bank account? Oh, look, I think it's uh, it's it's huge because uh, it allows him to uh, project forward to you know potential invites he might get or events he might get, and he's really good from a uh, financial planning point of view, he's really taking control of his business and uh, uh, he's, he's seeing what's ahead and how much it's going to cost and he's putting money aside and planning. And so from that point of view, it's, uh, it's fantastic. I think the important thing uh, for him is that he had those pressures and sort of most people try and shy away from these sort of situations or pressures and that's the worst thing that you can do. But if you, if you confront them head on and go, okay, this is the reality of the situation... This is, this is what I need to be doing. Um, and this is a lot of the fear associated to it goes away. Um, and, you know, he's done a great job of that the last couple of years. And he's had a couple of, you know, major breakthroughs in certain times. But because of that, you know, that confronting it head on, not shying away from it. And, um, yeah, I think that way then for him, he, he has a lot more control over those things than what most people perceive when, uh, when they don't confront it. They think that they've got no control whatsoever. Jamie, I know we've got to let you go in a second. Uh, your duty's up there at the PGA Championship, but I need to ask you this. And we, you know, I'm not I'm not running down Jamie Glazier Enterprises at all, but surely a couple of rounds with Jason Day has got a value that you know not even your sessions can be uh, compared to. It's just invaluable for uh, for Lucas. I was saying to Don this morning that uh, from a, a value point of view, that uh, we got as a team those two days. Can, can sometimes take anywhere between three to five years yeah. to get with an athlete. So um, that was just phenomenal. And the way that he performed Saturday, to allow him to be in the same position the next day, that was huge. Because most young people will shoot 75, 76 in that environment and then have to wait another couple of years to put themselves back in that environment. So they don't get a chance to leverage off it as much. But he was right back in it the next day and... The improvements in him were phenomenal. I mean, the way he played that front nine under that con- those sort of that, that condition was just astounding. So, um, so yeah, we are uh, as a team, you know, super excited for that opportunity, and um, yeah, it was uh, was phenomenal. He he won a lot of fans. Oh, I, through, I mean, yeah, people who, Australian golf fans have been watching him, you know, come through and and start ticking things off, you know, second at New South Wales, second in Queensland, all these things that he's just starting to add to his resume. But he won so many more uh, fans of a wider spectrum in the Australian sporting community at the weekend. It was awesome, Jamie. I think you guys really should be congratulated. He's a party waiting to happen. When he when he goes somewhere, he's going to be an absolute 
genius for Australian golf because he's so loose with his speech. It's brilliant. Yeah, look, and he's as good a golfer as he is. It uh, doesn't even compare with, with what type of person he is. He is yeah. one of the best young kids out there and such, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm so grateful to have an opportunity to work with someone like Herbie, uh, just with the person that he is and the team he has around him. It's, uh, it's phenomenal, so... Mate, we love watching him play. We really do. He brings a lot to uh, any environment that he's in the middle of and um, keep up the good work. We really appreciate you giving us a few minutes of your time on the, on the podcast today, mate. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Cheers. Good on you. Jamie Glazier, the mind coach of Lucas Herbert, joining us on the show. G'day. I'm my golf ambassador, Jason Day. I'm really excited to be an ambassador for my golf, Australian Golf's National Junior Program, jointly run by Golf Australia and the PGA. My golf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about teaching children the basic skills of golf in a safe and healthy environment. And just as importantly, about the life skills that golf can teach you that distinguish our sport from the rest. Remember to visit mygolf.org.au for more information. G'day, my name's Hannah Green. Thanks to Inside the Ropes for making all my travels on the semester tour so much fun. Fascinating stuff listening to Jamie Blasey talk about the mental aspect of everything that comes, you know, with a, the emerging career of a kid like Lucas Herbert. I think we all agree. So 68, 70 different events in a, in a round of golf. That's an interesting way of putting it. Uh, unfortunately for me, it's yeah. about 85 different events. <laughs> okay. But I'm going to follow that. I'm going to ask you to, to put your amateur psychologist, psychologist hat on and tell me what you think is going on with Jason Day. Is this a slate clean end of 2017, get through Christmas, and then, you know, new year, new approach, new... It's yeah. not like he's had a, a, a horrific year. No, not at all. He's been contending, he's been, you know, he's, but he just hasn't been able to close the deal. No, I mean, by any other standards, it's a, it's a very solid year. He made the Tour Championship, means you're the best 30 players in mm. the US. I mean, it's a great achievement. Um, by his standards, it's been shoddy, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just doesn't. He needs to win things to make things a success in his mind, and I think that's why this one hurt so much last Sunday because he was in that spot. And Ben Everill uh, told us that five out of the past six times he's been in front, he's won. Uh, but it hasn't happened now since the players in 2016. So there's a trend emerging here, and, and he's he's played good enough golf on this podcast. We've said several times, "Oh, I think he's coming. I think he's coming," mm. and he hasn't. Um, he's played some outstanding golf for 54. 63 holes, but you need to play 72 to get the chocolates in the big events around the world. There's I'm, no... I'm not too worried, Andy. I, I reckon, um, you know, pretty normal for a golfer's career to have, a, you know, even a really top-class golfer's career to have a year like that where, yep. you know, I wouldn't underestimate the impact of having to bring his mum, uh, Denning, over to America to give her the treatment and stuff like that. He doesn't have a dad. I think that that was a big deal for you know it's a massive deal for him and it, it, it you know it was obviously extremely important but it wasn't great for his golf was it you know it, it just it's just a, a distraction and a, something that took his mind away from the game so uh, I thought he'd win in Sydney I, you know he he had a good mindset about him he was very positive and he was he was great around the the crowds and stuff like that wasn't he Hazy oh, in, in his press appearances stuff like that he he looked very happy uh, but didn't quite get it done it was kind of it was symbolic of his year but clean slate go again he's only 30 years of age one thing i would say about jason is that I don't know that he'll have a long career because he he flogs the ball so hard and he's had so many injuries and illnesses. Mm. Uh, so he needs to. He's only got one major now. One's pretty good, but you know he's really. What does he look like? Does he look like a five major player to you? I, I'd say. 
Well, he looked he's like a four or five major. He player. looked like an eight major player when he won yeah. when he won at Whistling Straits. But that's the thing about this stuff. You you've only got a short time in the shop window. You've really mm. got to you've really got to buy them when you're there. Oh, mm. Everyone thought, oh, Adam Scott's broken the hoodoo. He's going to win a handful yeah. now. It doesn't happen. Just <laughs> you know, we all sit here and, and talk about Scott and Day and everything like that. But the reality is. Every country's got two or three people like that, and they're all knocking on the door. Not every country, but, you know, Spain, we've had a production line of players. Sweden, we've had a production line of players. And I'm not even at the States or the, you know, the traditional powers. So, you know, you've got to win them while you're there. Oh, and the... uh, the the Korean men are following. They're, they're, oh, catching, they're, they're catching up. So China's coming. Yep. Yeah, so there's you know there's no guarantees. No guarantees. It was just it was a bit mid round when it looked like it got away from him and he knew it was getting away from him. And it's hard to you know you're a human being so you wear your heart on your sleeve a little bit. There was a it just he got the bit of the hang dog look about him in that for about three or four holes, he tried to rally late. You know, he wanted to birdie 17 and eagle 18. He, he, you know, he, he raised the last effort. He couldn't get it done, obviously. But he, but just for a few holes there, it looked like, oh, you know, just the weight of the world got on top of him and it just all got a bit too hard. Uh, I actually think that <clears throat> he really wants this trophy, which is hard to... Well, here's the upside. Here's the upside in him. <laughs> Being where he was on the Sunday, he has to be back here next year. Mm. Yeah, he, everything he said this week or last week, you can't talk that talk and not walk the walk. He he said, "I, I want to be a multiple winner of this championship, Hazy." Yeah. So, yeah. if he doesn't come back next year, how legitimate was the enthusiasm and bubble he had for coming here in two thousand and seventeen? Well, I think it was, uh, and time will tell on that point there. But it's the pressure that he doesn't have in a you know Mickey Mouse US tour event because oh you know it doesn't really mean that much to him but i think he did legitimately want to get the stone Haven cup you know what i love to see him do come in here and win one and not put the not put the hand out mm-hmm. i want to win this boys i want to you pay, you looked after me last year uh great i've got more i've got enough money i'm i'm, I'm you do the basics you know but i'm coming out i'm coming out on my own dime until I win this thing. I'm just going to come until I win it. I'm paying for my, I'm paying my own way. So put us. Let me come and play, and I'll see you out there. What the, what date is it next year? I'll be there. Mm. No 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 appearance fee. Am I? I'm probably completely whistling Dixie here, <laughs> and I'm living in an alternate universe. There's I understand. A, there's a all pig this. flying past I, that I, window there. I, un- I understand. And, uh, the world is flat, and uh... I, I, I know how naive I sound. I, as the words are coming out of my mouth, I know how stupid it sounds. Ah. But but he doesn't need six hundred grand or whatever he's getting paid. He doesn't need that money. Nah. He doesn't need the money. His management could do well. His manager can. Oh, listen, I don't know whether you want to come off the long run here again, but <laughs> his manager can go and get stuffed. I mean, this is an Australian great who wants to win an Australian Open by his own admission. Mm-hmm. Time for Jason to say, what's his manager's name? Bud. Yeah, Bud. Bud l- leave this to me, mate. You look after fifty weeks of the year. I'm going to look after the two weeks where I go down to Australia. There's no cut. There's no commission. If you don't like me going, oh, let's sever ties right now and I'll get it. There's going to be a billion managers prepared to take Jason Day on if Bud Martin doesn't want him. But let's let's walk the walk, mate. Like, just come down here and play and win the thing. Oh, I'm clapping internally, Well, Andy. it's not happening. <laughs> we all understand. Well, you're, you're just looking at me like I'm a, a moron. No, I'm a cynic. Of course I'm it's not going to happen. But, uh, you know, that's what every person listening to this podcast would like to happen. There's no doubt about that. Okay. Um, we've mentioned Adam Scott's name. 
Uh, anything else on the Australian Open before we move on? Well, I just want to. I want to personally congratulate Lucas Herbert because yeah, right. uh, you know we we obviously spoke quickly about what he what he did as a person uh, aside from mentally. The way he answered questions was Spot just on. exemplary. It was it was it was just outstanding. I, I love him as a as a as a bloke. He's just a, a ripping young fella, and you know to stand up and take questions three days in a row, and it, invariably the last ones were going to be pretty hard. But he just it was entertaining as anything to listen to him talk, and I. Full praise for Lucas Herbert. Well done. Matias Sanchez, uh, the oh, story, leading amateur story, we didn't mention, story. finished in the top 15, which, you know, that I don't know whether that was a surprise, but, you know, he, he uh, what, what's his history? Um, oh, his mum's from Chile, uh, and uh, he, he's um, gone under the radar. Tim Wendell, his coach, uh, also had Cameron John in the field, and he also made the cut, so that's a great effort from Tim Wendell. Uh, Matias is an unassuming, quiet guy, Enjoys the spotlight, hasn't figured out how to put himself there all the time now. But in a year, in the space of one year, he's won the Australian Amateur Championship. We all sing Minwoo Lee's praises and we all love him. He beat Minwoo Lee in the final of the Australian Amateur Championship and now he's a low amateur and he's in the National Championship. That's, That's a right. hell of a year. That's a good year. And uh, I just yeah. want to say, Andy, congratulations to Dean Kinney from Golf New South Wales who heads up the high performance there and Khan Pullen who coaches uh, Cam Davis for producing a player of that quality uh, they've done a great job up there. They're producing a lot of good players. Absolutely. They really are hazy, aren't they? Yeah, they've turned the corner. Um, New South Wales, for nearly 40% of the nation's golfers, punched so far under its weight for so long it was embarrassing. And Dean and, and Khan and, and John Surhan and all the people involved with that high-performance program are to be fully congratulated. They've turned the corner and there's a string of them coming. And they're doing it without good courses to practice on. Isn't, that, isn't that a hell of a... Ooh. That's a joke. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> in New South Wales, that's just a Melbourne v Sydney thing there. So let's move on and let's no, not send any hate tweets to anyone. Uh, but they've they've got <laughs> people from um, you know a lot of people in no, the great. Central Coast and yep. Hunter Valley, yep. right down to um, Wollongong. There's two or three young kids from Wollongong, and we spoke to Tom Heaton, for example, the other yeah. day. Yeah. Um, is a collection, and there's one oh, I've forgotten his name right now. Uh, Jay Jay McKenzie, maybe. From Byron Bay or Ballina up that way too, so there's, they're actually coming from mm. you know the length, length and great. breadth. Um, we wait for next year and we look forward to it enormously, like we always do. The PGA, uh, we're recording this on Thursday about midday, so you know the scores are what they are. And um, but the, the real, the big talking point, you know, was not the fact that I allowed to wear shorts during the pro am, but the fact that Adam Scott revealed that he's going to go back to the long putter, and now this has. <laughs> This is a fire starter, this. Like, mm. This has caused all sorts of conversations. I mean, Mark Allen, who we, we love, Marco, part of the commentary team, AO Radio, of course, was on his radio show on SEN on Wednesday night. And he said, well, it's just blat- it's blatant cheating. Like, it's just what it is. And, you know, he's he was sick to the stomach. I'm putting words into his mouth well, now. But Well, we've seen what, what happened with uh, Bernhard Langer and uh, Scott, Scott McCarran. McCarran when they started using it on the... Uh, on the Champions Tour. Look, uh, look. the facts of the matter are you can use a long putter as long as you don't uh, deliberately anchor it. And people are starting to work this out. The rule, unfortunately, is ter- going to turn into a joke uh, and they're going to have to rewrite the rule and say something about the length of the club if they really want... You know, I think that the RNA and the USJ wanted to get rid of the long putters, but they went a sort of a, a roundabout way to do it in, in that they... They said, all right, we don't want to ban the clubs, we'll, we'll ban anchoring. But players are working out that if they don't anchor, if they move that putter away from their chest or their chin, 
they can do it. Now, Adam Scott almost did this right back at the start, you know, Andy. He was practising. He said this. I heard him say it, that he was practising with the putter moved away. Uh, he ended up going with a short putter. He got to number one in the world with the short putter, by the way, um, so he can certainly putt, but with the short putter if he needs to. But uh, I'm I'm a little bit... I, I called it a bombshell in the story that I wrote last night, and a couple of people on Twitter said, oh, come on, give us a break. But I, I think he's the first big-name player who's gone back to the long putter. I mean, it's all very well for it to be on the Champions Tour. Mm. I mean, the TV cameras were on those players. There's been a lot of debate about it. There's been a lot of talk about whether they need to stiffen up the rule. Uh, it's only going to add to it. If Adam starts hazy coming out on a PGA Tour event in January, February, and using the long putter, there's going to be a lot of discussion about it. It's already on the websites in America this morning. Uh, you know, it, it hasn't... I mean, at the event yesterday when he was asked at the press conference on Wednesday, Queensland, whether uh, he was going to use it, the journos didn't really ask him... What, you know, they asked him whether he's going to use it. He said, yes, I've seen what happened with McCarran, etc. So, uh, But they didn't really drive in, you know, what does he feel about that scrutiny that could come to him. Well, b- before I get your view on this, so this is what Scotty I've says. I've just noticed, like everybody else, that Bernard Langer and Scott McCarran make everything they look at and uh, have done since the anchoring ban and moving it away from the body. It was actually pointed out to me that this year they both recorded the best ever putting stats since stats have been kept. Both of them beat the old best you know, I don't know if it's just a coincidence or if they just had a really good year, but maybe they've found the best way to putt. Mm. So, Hazy, this the the notion of intent. This is this is a, becoming a complete joke because players inadvertently or advertently will take advantage. Oh, sorry, I did it. I didn't. My intent was not to touch and have it resting on my chest. So, sorry, I didn't mean that. Um, I've got the rule here. Murray, yep. if you if you want me to no, read, no, it, read, read it, read it out. Yeah. The, the club is this is the rule. The club it's rule fourteen one b. The club is anchored directly when the player intentionally holds the club or a gripping hand in contact with any part of his body, except that the sorry I I didn't in, emphasise the word intentionally. Start again. The club is anchored directly when the player intentionally holds the club or a gripping hand in contact with any part of his body except that the player may hold the club or a gripping hand against a hand or forearm. The word intentionally jumps right out at me well, we, there. Proving intent... That's the rule. Proving intent becomes a my word against yours. Well, I didn't mean it. Yeah. You're arresting it. No, well, I didn't mean it. I didn't intentionally do that. We're going back a, a lot of podcasts here. We've um, That rules are fast. That rule is a complete fast. Um, and the tours need to stand up and be counted here because they're the ones who are driving this rule because they're turning a blind eye on, on everything that McCarran and Langer have done all year and bet your bottom dollar but it's not the five... tours is it it's the R&A and the USGA who make the rule yeah but that, the tours have the right to enforce these rules or not they can mm. be really lax on it and I, the, if they uh, drilled into Bernard Langer they're killing the champions tour because he was the dominant player and I don't think they're going to um, cook the goose that's laying the golden eggs repeatedly Bet your bottom dollar right now that there's five photographers out watching Adam Scott around oh, Royal Pines. That's, with why, it, with that's why I'm surprised. That's why I'm surprised. And this might be the only thing that could make on a world stage uh, the Australian PGA Championship knock Tiger Woods tournament off the back pages of the golf coverage everywhere. Because if he does something crazy here and gets in trouble or people start questioning him, you know, the, all of a sudden the world's focus shifts straight to the Gold Coast. Andy, uh, Scotty, there is a perspective on this, a historical perspective. Scotty has never, um, 
He's never uh, been convinced that there was anything evil about the long putter. In fact, when, when the anchoring ban was being discussed, Andrew Langford-Jones from the PGA Tour of Australasia took him into the r into the hallowed halls at the Open one year, and he directly spoke to them about it and argued against the um, anchoring ban or any sort of ban on long putters. And he said, my understanding of what he said was basically along the lines of there's far more uh, problems for the the game of golf, including the, how far the ball was flying, than long putters and, and anchoring putters. Uh, so obviously the band came in. It's interesting. He sent one of his long putters to Peter Dawson, the, the retiring uh, secretary of the RNA, just as a kind of a, a little gesture because they listened to him and yeah. they, they were, you know, he's a good guy. So uh, Peter Dawson got, got that in the mail, but I think he put it in some museum or something. Uh, but... Uh, Scotty never been convinced that it's that there's anything wrong with it. I, Just get it away yeah. from the body. Mm. The, the the rule has to be written, or the the implement the implementation of the rule needs to be observed Actions. differently. You can use the long putter. Don't take get the word intention. It must be intentionally held intentionally. away. It must be intentionally held away from the body. Mm. It must be intentionally held away from the body. If you are unintentionally bring you too close to the body where there appears to be contact, you're in breach. Mm. You need, If you want to use that putter, you need to intentionally hold the thing separate from your body. Get it away from your body. Use the putter to your heart's content. Stand up now, wherever you're listening to this, and imagine you've got the long putter. You can use the putter and mm. not have it anywhere near your chest. It is yeah. not hard to do. Just stand up now and do it look, look, while you're listening to it, unless you're driving a car. Um, <laughs> you can. You can it, is, it is actually really easy to do. And look, yeah. I, I'm but not... the hand creeps and creeps and creeps because that's where the advantage comes. It and takes the all sh- the jitter out of the left hand and or right hand, whichever way you putt. And then the shirt flaps of out. Of course, mate. It's a joke. I, I'm not one of the. I'm not as hard on this issue as other people. I, I don't think Langer and McCarran. Well, I've, I haven't seen McCarran, but I don't think Langer was cheating. I don't think he's a cheat. I think he was holding it away from his body. But the shirt does flap, uh, and it looks like it's getting very close. I, I just don't think it's a great look overall. Is it? You oh, know, I'm not. They've, cr- they've, they've, the, the the game's ruling bodies have have decreed that it. It gives people an advantage. So why would you even go anywhere near it? That's that's kind of the way I, I think. Well, that's right. Exactly. We're a little bit we're a little bit pregnant with this at the moment. Yeah, it's true. Uh, before uh, we're about to speak to Ben Everill about Tiger, and that'll be sort of like the close of the show. Just before we get away from the PGA too far, too too far, a couple of awards were handed out at the pre-tournament dinner, of course, which we should touch on before we get to the Tiger chat. Well, there's the thousand awards, and to every winner of on the Greg Norman Medal night, congratulations, a hearty congratulations. Um, perhaps we might even go through them a bit more in detail next week. But it, it you know, the standout well, one was, is was Mark Leishman, the Greg Norman Medalist. A phenomenal achievement uh, for someone who was off the radar for a lot of people yeah. until a couple of years ago. It's fantastic, Mark Leishman, a great achievement. Um, on a personal note, I'd like to congratulate Christian Hamilton, who colleague of ours at Golf Australia and also works at Golf Victoria. Uh, a brilliant member of the PGA who's all about inclusive golf and he was the National Teaching Professional of the Year. Um, awesome. Just great. a great achievement brilliant. for a great bloke. Great. Dennis McDade, who operates out of Yarra Bend here in Melbourne, won the, he happens to coach Mark Leishman, won the uh, 
Coach of the Year, which um, is very pleasing. I just wish he'd answer my calls when I <laughs> when I go to get a lesson because he's my coach as well. well. And he tends pa- to say start- to me, "Oh, listen, I'll, I think I'll worry about Leishman well, and Ruffles you- <laughs> and Fraser, and uh, you, you can look after yourself." Well, maybe you can start paying for them, and you yeah. might get. You know, <laughs> that's you know, true. You know, that's, that's, that's true. Issue. Well done, Dennis. Well done. The Golf Australia website is now the place to go to look up your handicap and so much more. Whether you're out and about on your phone or in the office trying to avoid work. Just go to golf.org.au and punch a golf link number into the box at the top of the homepage. Who knows, maybe that last round was just good enough to put you in single figures. While you're on the site, check out the daily golf results at your club, view our course index for up-to-date ratings, read the latest golf news from home and abroad, listen to Australian golf podcasts and interviews, and watch video tournament highlights or tips to improve your game. It's everything a golf tragic could want. Visit golf.org.au today. The home of Australian golf. Hey, Steph Ogilvy. I can't be in Australia very often, but I love keeping up with everything on Inside the Ropes podcast. Good bunch of guys, and I love listening. Well, I was still struggling with some nerve issues down my leg when I came back at Alworth. Um, last year, I was the same, but it was better, but not where it's at now. Um, you know, I'm not going to be dunking a f- basketball anytime soon, uh, but I'm able to live life without any lower back pain or anything, any kind of zinging down my leg or my f- have foot drop. I don't have any of those issues anymore. And so that's why it's, it is very different. It's different from the last two when I've come back at this event, at the Hero World Challenge. At Arworth, as I said, I was still struggling. Last year I was still struggling a little bit, and then this year it's night and day. The neatest thing for me is to be able to get up out of bed and I can grab a club and not use it as a crutch, okay? So now I'm able to take a swing. Uh, that, that's so exciting. You have no idea how exciting that is. And I'm just so thankful that, you know, I, I've had this procedure and I've gotten to this point. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm loving life now. Tiger, we know the voice. Uh, ben Everill's about to join us. Music to the ears, right, of all of us. You can tell what you like about the tournament, um, and we already have. I can't wait, Andy. I, yeah, I, I yeah. just uh, I want to see how he goes. And, you know, I've said to a few people, don't don't get your hopes up too much. It's a long way from where he is this week in an exhibition tournament to, uh, you know, week-by-week week stuff. But, he, you know, the vibes are, are pretty good, Andy, you know. So, look, he's had the lumbar fusion surgery, the L5 and S1 vertebrae are now fused together and they've put something in between to fill up the gap and they've got rid of the offending disc. So he's got rid of all the nerve problems and the sciatica that he got and the twitching, he was getting twitching in the leg and, you know, it was just horrible really to watch. And then then a drug addiction it appears to be or a painkiller addiction after that. So there's been a hell of a lot going on. I mean, as I've said before, it's been an amazing story if he ever gets back and wins something. I mean, it's just going to be unbelievable. Well, but, Ben Everill was in was in Sydney, flew over to the Bahamas for us, and not for us for the event. <laughs> works with the, yeah, we sent him over there on our own. On our, our own man chat. from inside yeah, the ropes, yes. <laughs> he's over there on the ground right now. And uh, as we say, get out of you, Ben Everill, and bring you in. We're only about what is it about? Oh God, eight or nine hours away from, I guess, Tiger hitting a ball. Um, great to have you on the show again, mate. You get back to the Bahamas, okay? Yeah, mate. I've made a few delays and a snap three wood in my luggage, but other than that, I'm uh, I'm here safe and sound, and yeah, very much looking forward to Tiger's uh, return. And 
And like you said, there's plenty of anticipation for it. Um, it is obviously only an 18-man event, but uh, we're all very keen to see just how it goes. So all the time you've been covering golf and watching golf, in terms of the peak uh, of you know anticipate, anticipation and excitement about you know what we're about to see, how high on the kind of anticipation scale is you know Tiger's return? Well, let me say this. Uh, in the two years I've been working for the tour, and I think they have metrics on everything I write and everything else. I think the biggest thing I wrote was when Jason Day's mum had cancer. Uh, the two little stories I've written on Tiger's work are second and third at the moment, and I'm pretty sure tomorrow it'll overtake as number one. They are absolutely just wanting to know every single thing. I tweet one slow-mo swing of Tiger the other day, and it goes mental. Uh, he is still the needle mover. He is still the one everyone wants to know about, and and while there's not that many people here on the ground, given we're in the Bahamas, if we were in the main, you know, on the mainland, I think they'd be 50 deep for this. They are really keen to see how we go. Benny, what about media? Like, if they had to build a bigger media centre or anything like that, do you have any idea how many journos are there? Because I know Bernie Maguire, another Australian journo who gets around the tours, I know that he was going over there to write for some European papers, and you've obviously been sent there. I mean, how many are around there? Is it pretty packed? Yeah, look, it's not quite major championship level by any means, but the media centre is full. I mean, now ESPN has all three of their journalists here. Golf Channel has just about everyone they own here. Um, you know, like, we're all here. Uh, we're all ready to rumble and, and see what he does. And, like, as I said, like, I'm here and I usually I have a lot of things to do. Uh, this week, my brief is quite simple. Tiger, every day. Um, when, you know, not so much who's winning this tournament, just what's Tiger doing How's he going? What can we expect from him in the future? And and that sort of thing. So, you know, for a guy who hasn't, who's barely played in four years and whose uh, back's been absolutely horrendous, you know, like, it's still, he's the man. And So how does he look to you, was, Benny? How does he look? You've seen him in practice that? now. How does he look to you? Oh, you know what? He, he looks pretty good. He actually, the thing that strikes me the most is how relaxed he is. How great, how how ready to rumble he just seems. He's not the old tiger with the steely eyes or anything like that. He's just fun, loving, freewheeling and having a good time. And he hit some great shots. He drove one of the par fours this morning and made a 20-footer for Eagle. That was pretty awesome. Again, he missed one shot into a par five by about 50 yards offline. So I think what we're going to see is a number of birdies and a number of bogeys with some rust, similar to what we did 12 months ago. Uh, you know, he'll finish near the back end of that pack, probably, uh, but show signs to get us excited for the future. Do you know what, it's, has he given you any indication, I guess he's going to wait to see how he pulls up after this, but has he given you guys any indication as to what um, his schedule looks like after this? He actually refused to sort of go down that path. Last year he was telling us, oh, I'm going to play this, that, I'll be a Tory, I'll be there, I'll be uh. this. This year he's taken that way out of the out of the equation, and he's just saying, "I'll see how I go, and then we'll go from there." Now, pretty much we we know the sort of old Tiger schedule: Torrey Pines, the Honda Classic, LA, all that sort of stuff. We expect he'll turn up to those should he be fit. Lots of people asking him to play different other events, get out, you know, get out to the Sony Open, get into the desert, do whatever. Uh, but you know, he's a creature of habit, and we'll probably see him in his usual things. Um, you know, but he reckons he'll be fine. He wants to play a full schedule, but he's he's not sort of counting his chickens this year after what happened last year. What sort of cut-throughs are getting in the broader media, Ben? I mean, you're talking about it from a golf perspective. Have you got a sense for, you know, just how interested 
the kind of the, the all the back pages of newspapers are radio stations, TV networks. Is it is it getting a reach beyond just the golf media over there in the states? Uh, yes, I have now talked to you guys. Might be number seven this week. I think I've talked to obviously mostly golf, but we've had Business Insider keen. We've had all sorts of uh, different rare places keen to know how he's going and where he might go from here. Everyone is sort of keen to to get Tiger back into things because at the end of the day, he, he's one of those characters. He's one of those people that just transcends golf, isn't he? He's just for all the drama and for all the greatness, it's just everybody sort of has an emotional connection uh, with him when it comes to their, their love of golf, whether it be seeing him be great, you know, in the past or, or expecting more from him in the future. Like he just, he just transcends all sports. He's, he's a federer. He's a, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that is once in a generation. Benny, I'm going to change tack here and ask the Australian-centric question. Uh, last, last week was clearly Thanksgiving in the States, and we've been treated to that excuse uh, on an annual basis for a million years. This week, this tournament's going up against the time-honoured Australian PGA Championship, and I'll bet you that 18 people there don't even know that it's on at Royal Pines, which I think is an embarrassment and an indictment on their mentality. What do you think they would say if we grilled them as to why they can play this week and not bother to tour around the world? Uh, good question, Hazy. Absolutely great question. I don't know what they'd come up with. They'd probably say, you know, they need an off-season. They need a bit of a break after a long FedEx Cup run. Um, they know they've got a big season coming in the next week. Uh, that's what they'd probably say. Whether that's legitimate or a good enough excuse, I don't know. Um, look, if you guys have talked about it at length, and I've sort of chimed in as well, uh, it's good that the PGA is now uh, linked with the European Tour. The Australian Open probably needs to do something similar or maybe get in with the PGA Tour. Um, uh, sadly, in today's day and age, one thing talks, and that's cash. And guess what's here with 18 men? They've got full purse that's dwarfing anything that's happening on the Gold Coast, and they get world ranking points here, like better than anything you can imagine. How did that happen? I don't get that. Uh, I don't know, boys, but he's going to go from 1100th to probably 500th if he finishes last. That's absolutely, you know, like, that's absolutely farcical when Cameron Smith doesn't get the advantage of winning a, a PGA Tour event, which is actually legitimate in, in Louisiana. It's, I mean, this tournament is off the charts stupid, in my opinion. And for unless one of them actually came out and had the pills to say, I'm here for the cash. Yeah, just say it. Then, then just I'm just it. not listening because any other excuse is complete bollocks. Yeah, well, you're right. And then look, look if, they, if they're fair income, if they if they say what it's all about, that's exactly why they're here. And that, to be honest, boys, that just shows. Let me tell you, that just shows how great of a bloke Mark Leishman is. Yeah, right? he was in the field, Mark wasn't Leishman, he? Yeah, Mark Leishman was in this field. He wanted. He asked me about this event multiple times. He wanted to get in this event. It would have been his first time in this one. He was very keen. And then when he sat down and thought about it, and thought, wait a minute, it's going up against an event in Australia. Um, you know, I'm a pretty good show for the Greg Norman medal, which we know he won. He was like, you know what, the cash just ain't worth that much. And that just shows what he's all about. I don't, I'm not sure there are many other people that would have done what Mark Leishman's done this week. That's great. Hey, last one from me. The other, how did Jason Day, the wash-up from the Australian Open, um, I'm sure you've spoken to him about it. What, what's, what's his takeaway from, from the Australian Open, mate? Uh, look, he's got it. Let's not beat around the bush. Uh, that's a tournament he thought and knows he should have won. Uh, he was in front with 18 holes to go. 
against guys who, with all due respect, are great golfers, but not at his level, not achieved what he's achieved. And he was not able to close the deal. Um, you know, he knows that he probably had some issues in that final round with dealing with adversity. Um, that's not what the best Jason Day has been in the past. Uh, when things have gone wrong for Jason in the last couple of years, he's been able to shake it off quickly. He was unable to do that at the Australian, and that sort of hit him in the the uh, you know confidence department. Uh, he knows he has to go away now, try to wipe it out of the, the psyche, if you will, uh, have a bit of a break, but come back ready to practice hard, practice with purpose, and actually be ready to rumble. He, he can wipe out last year now. He, he wasn't at 100% at any stage. He wasn't committed 100% at any stage. Uh, he might argue that a little bit, but deep down he knows he never gave it the same commitment he gave in the years prior. Uh, and, you know, he needs to start again. Benny, uh, those who uh, listen to our banter or see it on Twitter or whatever know that we give each other a hard time. But before we let you go, um, I really want to give you your juice. Um a, for coming on here today, but B, for those who don't know, Ben Everill took out the Australian Golf Media Association's oh, top yeah. honour last week. We talked about the Greg Norman medal a few minutes ago, uh, but it'd be wrong of us not to pay respect Spot. to Ben and, and give the congratulations of all Australian golf fans who admire and read his work back here um, for his great piece on Jason Day, which won the Tom Ramsey Award, the highest honour, Blakey, that the Golf Media Association dishes out, doesn't get afforded every year. Ben picked it up last uh, last Saturday night and a hearty congratulations from us all, Benny. Oh, thanks, boys. You know, obviously that's not necessarily what we're in the, the job for, but it, I did appreciate the recognition from everyone back home. It was a great trip for me. I, I don't get back often enough. I, I did joke with Jason that I still got back more often than him and that he <laughs> needs to try to get back in front of me. You do uh, have a tough regard, life, so. uh, Benny. You do have a really tough life. And not only did you come back and collect that award at the AGMA uh, dinner, but I reckon that the uh, pie stocks in Sydney <laughs> just took a fearful hammering last week because it's a while since you've been home, isn't it? Look, honestly, it was it was almost three years since I'd been in Australia. And I'm not joking. In the six days I was there, boys, and this is almost embarrassing to, to actually admit, but in the six days I was there... My pie count was 23. Well done. 23 <laughs> pies. Outstanding performance. That's not part of the keto diet, I don't that, think. That, that has, that has put know. Mark Hayes even in the shade, who's the Carl to... Lewis of oh. eating. But, uh... Mate, no. I'm, I'm, it's unbelievable. Like, I ate three a day minimum. I just smashed them. And I've come over to the Bahamas. I was thinking about going to the pool here at this beautiful resort I'm in, and I've looked down at my guts and thought, maybe not this week. <laughs> Mate, well done. Congratulations on that. Uh, thanks again for making yourself available to the show. We really appreciate it. No problems. Anytime, boys. Uh, you know, hopefully it's a big week there in Australia with the PGA, and, and you, know, you guys do a great job with that podcast and keep it going. G'day, guys. It's Ryan Russell here, and I'm a long way from home, playing on the Latin America tour and living in the U.S., but I keep up with all my Australian golf policy inside the road. So just a couple of bits and pieces before we wrap it up. Um, obviously, our focus, Gazelle was on the Australian Open at, uh, at the Australian, but it was only a couple of hours after Cam Davis rolled in his 
signed his winning card that there was other, there was more great news for Australian golf. Well, Wade Ormsby uh, won won an event in uh, well the Hong Kong Open on the European Tour at 34 years of age. Andy, I think you quoted the stat of how many tournaments he's played, 200 and something it's on the 264th European. 264th start. It goes back to 2004, mm. and he's can you believe this? He's been back to tour school four times, Wade Ormsby. Um, so for him to win that man from South Australia, look, he's under the radar, Wade uh, Ormsby, because he's always been over in Europe, and he's one of those guys that's stuck with Europe. But good luck to him. I mean, he's got the rest of this year now and two years of exemption. So it's a fantastic story, and he's, he's actually in Queensland this week playing at the PGA as well. No, yeah, and he's a great bloke too. Good fella. Yeah, good fella. Couldn't wait to get back to Australia to celebrate it with a couple of his mates, uh, and they did that earlier in the week leading into the PGA, and uh, he's grown a very impressive mustaka as part of oh. uh, Movember, and he's mm. going to hang on to it, apparently, for the, the time being, which is uh, what people do. These things work for you. Do you reckon these guys sit around going, geez, I hope I don't win a tournament in November? <laughs> I don't want that on my wall for because the Because that's going to be forever. Uh, yeah. that's, that's the photo right there. Well, you can Photoshop these things out these days, can't that's you? True. Yeah, that's true. That. Order of Merit, Andy, just one more thing to throw in there. This is the P- PGA Tour of Australia's Order of Merit will be decided this week at the PGA. Brett Rumford, 313,000, uh, is leading from Jason Norris, our man, at mm. 266. Cam Davis is running third, but he's not playing this week because he's on a plane to America or on his way to America to play in the web.com tour school. So it's probably out of those first couple. But, uh, yeah, they get some good sort of eligibility out of that, don't they, the well, winner? And the, well, yeah, I think World Golf Championships. WGCs and, mm. and other other events that the, you know, the PGA Tour of Australasia has really orchestrated beautifully for the players to get as bigger exposure as they can out of that. It's great. Uh, there's a couple of names in there that you're delighted to see, like, you know, Adam Bland is... What, did he keep his card up in Japan? Yes, he Blandy, did. Which is great. And um, the one that I'm particularly happy to see in the top 10 is James Marcazzani, who, again, put his fro- nose in the frame. He's had a couple of good months, Marcazzani. Fiji, China, and then had a really strong finish at the Australian Open. Had a great weekend. He's seventh or eighth, I think, going into the PGA Championship. So I know that's a real focus for him to finish top 10 in that order of merit. And, you know, hopefully a good weekend up there at Royal Pines bolts him even further up that list. So. And Hazy, what about the uh, LPGA Tour School? Because there's some Australians involved there, um, you know, as we speak. Yeah, there's a handful of pl- Australians involved. Um, um, Selena Yuan, Steph Nah, uh, Wendy Doolan. But the the big news overnight, Blake, in, again, we're recording this on Thursday, and, you know, depending when you're listening, keep a close eye on Rebecca Artis, who's just a, a ripping young lady. Um, not sure about her husband, Jeff. He's a bit of a complete... <laughs> you have you an know. interesting relationship with that pair, don't you? <laughs> uh, he's a great... Take a lot of mickey out of it, Define interesting. He's they they fa- take the mickey not. out of Hazy the whole time. Yeah. Uh, Beck's good at it too. And, and but it goes the other way. Jeff's world class. Uh, no, fantastic. And Beck's jumped out of the blocks at the first stage of Q School uh, to get into LPJ. She's three under the card. Tied six, but only one off the lead, importantly, and in a great spot. Five um, rounds. Five oh, rounds. Yeah. That is a, a grind. grind. Five rounds. And, and top 20 only go through. Yeah, and she's had a long year on the, on the European tour, and she's, they're making it – actually, it's fascinating, Andy. They, they uh, have made a really big story about it. It's one of the stories this week to follow on the LPGA website is, is Rebecca Artis's Road to the Q School. They're making a song and dance about the fact that she was at Symmetra and then went and flew home for two days to have a lesson and then over to Dubai and then somewhere else in the Middle East, then back to Australia, then back to Florida. 
I think there's probably about 50 Australian golfers who can relate to that. So you can't go and say hello to Scott Hind. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's great and and great to see you're getting a moment in the sun and hopefully come uh, 90 holes, I have to think about that. Hopefully after 90 holes, she's basking in it. So uh, there's a few other bibs and bobs going around. Bibs and bobs away, mate. And I shouldn't say, you know, bibs and bobs when I'm referring to John Sutherland, our beloved leader, who's just had a little boy this morning, oh. ba- baby number two, just on my phone as the, as we were recording. Oh, uh, so John Sutherland and, and his beautiful wife, Georgie, um, they've welcomed Freddie George Sutherland into the world. So congratulations yeah. from all at ITR and at Golf Australia. Uh, unfortunately, in hospital news, Andy, it's... Um, you gut wrenching every time I even talk about this, but um, Jared Lyle st- started his the fight yeah. uh, yesterday. He went back into hospital, so on the Wednesday um, today he started chemotherapy, and this is the fight for his life starting. So they're now. going to, okay. Do, okay. as I understand, they're going to smash his um, immune system yep. with chemo, so that they can do a stem cell transplant from his brother Leighton. So, mm. wow, and we'll know, um, you know, <laughs> Blakey and I are writing a book. Andy, um, we've sort of touched on it, but Jared came out and publicly said it last week, and you know it's pretty gut wrenching to be honest. Like he's so open, and the family's just such a beautiful family, and it's we feel pretty close to it at the moment, and it's pretty heart wrenching to um, to see him go through all this uh, on the beach at Torquay on Tuesday, just soaking every last minute of freedom in, and he's into hospital for three months and uh, minimum, and who knows what happens. So everyone, just send a send a thought to him. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and other more golfing specific news, I suppose. Uh, the June's medal was played. Unfortunate timing gets shoved out of the limelight. Time on it, Australian Open. But the time on a June's medal was played last week down on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria, and some great winners. Um, Blake Collier, Pipty's Victorian state teammate. David Michaluzzi shot a sixty-four in the final round to get up by a shot. So that's a great effort by Blake Collier and. I really keep pushing Dave Michaluzzi because he's just he's knocked on every door and just hasn't quite got through one yet. But it's coming, little fella. Stick there. I'm going to call you little fella. Yep, I did it publicly. Cop that. Uh, Most and, of us little fella compared to you. <laughs> he's specifically little, and his little lob wedge nearly nearly caused me to kill someone. So, <laughs> right. Uh, oh, yes, of course. Yeah, uh, for those of you who saw yeah, that video, saw that. and on the women's yeah. front, um, a really up and coming young player from Queensland, D.D. Russell. Um, some might have known her as Didi Russell Taylor as well. She's a fantastic young player um, and is really starting to make ground quickly late in her presumably what is her amateur career. Uh, shot 288 to win down there from Eliza Hetherington, uh, young up and coming, and also Gabby Ruffles, um, who just recently announced also, Blakey, that she's following her mother, Anna Maria, then Fernandez, but now Ruffles, um, to USC. Trojan. Um, She's going to be a Trojan. A girl, I don't know if you want to be a girl Trojan, but she's a girl Trojan. Trojanette. Trojanette. And I, and I reckon she's played golf for, I'm going to say, three years maximum. Some, two yeah. and a half years. She's seriously I think talented. they call him a comer. She's a comer, that one. She was she's, in the Tennis yeah. Australia system. Uh, she was a brilliant young tennis yeah. player, but she's drifted over to golf like Ryan and straight away really good. And yeah, do, just keep your little black book, D.D. Russell. She's... Uh, Beautiful, tall, elegant swinger of the golf club from Queensland. Very uh, humble, modest girl, and she's making ground. As are so many of them. It's hard to keep up. There's so many good young players coming out of Australia right now. Um, Hazy, good luck on Monday. I'll be there with you. I'm wishing you all the very best. I'll be there to lend physical and moral support on the way around. Blakey, hit them long and straight at Jackson. Whatever you do, make sure you go and play it 
Arrowtown. I am going to Arrowtown. Good. I have already booked. Good. Excellent. Thanks, Andy. And See we, you next uh, week. Appreciate your uh, knowledge and input. <laughs> what knowledge? All right, there is very little knowledge, some input. That is it, folks. Uh, thanks for tuning in again. It's been a very, very big uh, couple of weeks. For everyone involved in golf in Australia, we'll be back to wrap up the PGA next week and a whole lot of other stuff. We'll see you then.